As a finance professional, you're constantly looking to learn from the best. Do you want to meet them? Join me and our panel of top industry experts at our next CFO Leadership Live event on August 24th in Dallas, Texas, as we talk with three CFOs about the challenges that finance teams are facing today and how best to overcome them. The workshop includes a complimentary buffet lunch and the chance to network with other DFW finance leaders. Head over to CFOLeadershipLive.com to secure your seat. Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Sarah Wells. Sarah is an experienced finance leader with a demonstrated history of working in the renewable energy and building materials industries. Sarah is a strong finance professional skilled in external audit, accounting, Sarbanes-Oxley, generally accepted accounting principles, and general ledger. She is a senior leader with experience in operational strategy, budgeting, modeling, and overall business analysis. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our discussion today focuses on your career journey, as well as a look at the renewable energy industry and its specific challenges. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to learn from you, so let's get started. Great. Uh, let's start with you. If you could just give us a little bit of background on your career journey and how it is that you got to the position you're in today. Sure. So uh, I started out the public accounting route and uh, kind of boomerang, did audit for a couple of years, uh, and then started a uh, sales rep uh, company. Um, and did that for about five years and decided that I very much enjoyed uh, the direct deposit hitting my bank account <laughs> and the uh, not feast or famine aspects of uh, not owning your own business. Uh, and so I went back into audit, called up my friends and I was like, hey, I realize it's been five years. A lot has changed in five years, uh, but can I come back? And they were like, yeah, come on. And so I went back and did... Uh, five years uh, in audit. Uh, so I had a total of about seven and a half years in audit. Uh, got an opportunity to leave uh, to uh, be a senior accountant at a seal manufacturing company. Hung out there for five years. Absolutely loved it. Loved everything about that opportunity. Uh, when it was time for me to challenge myself more, uh, an opportunity presented itself in solar at Spruce Power. And so I joined here in November 2018, and it has been a ride ever since. So what did that little stint of being an entrepreneur, what did, what did that teach you? Both good and bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it taught me I'm, I'm uh, not as uh, much of a salesperson as I would like to believe, although I do believe that every job actually has a sales component to it in True. the form of relationship building and uh, building confidence and trust with both your peers, but also your internal and external customers. So maybe not sales in the way that my title is sales, but uh, certainly there are some aspects. And, and I realized that when you're selling a product,
product and you alone are responsible for convincing a buyer that it's important that they have your product on their shelves. Um, that part I liked less. I liked much more the relationship building side of it. And so, um, definitely glad to have moved on from that opportunity. The bad side is all of the things about owning your own business. I mean, didn't take a paycheck for the first 18 months and definitely ate a lot of ramen and um, didn't have health insurance. I, you know, so all of the, the cons and the risks associated with starting your own business definitely existed there. Yeah, I imagine that that's pretty scary. (laughs) As you look back uh, throughout your career, are there stories or moves that stand out in your mind as turning points? Yeah, so throughout all of these jobs, there have been times when I've been tasked with something, asked to participate in a project or take on an additional role. And early in my career, if these extra projects or tasks were not more directly related to accounting, to the business of debits and credits and financial reporting, I would approach them somewhat a little annoyed. Like I I was struggling to understand why this was important for me to be participating in this. And some of those opportunities were much more painful than others and hard. They were just hard projects. And every single one of those I have leveraged in some way since I left that project. So now when I'm asked to take on a project or dip my toe in a process that I don't fully understand... I find that I've shifted my attitude and embraced them knowing that I now have statistical data in my own experience that says, I don't know how, but some way, somehow this is going to benefit me in the future. And so it it was a, a mind shift for me that really turned a point in my career. Yeah, that's great. That's a very important lesson, I think, to learn along the way. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about Spruce Power and what it is they do. Yes. So Spruce Power offers customers financing for getting solar uh, panels on their roof. So um, a lot of homeowners don't have, you know, thirty dollars or $40,000 that they can liquidate very easily to um, put a solar panel on their roof. And so we provide the financing for that. And um, these are 20 to 25-year contracts um, with uh, renewable credits associated with them. And so it's exciting to be uh, partnering with various uh, credit agencies and banks and state agencies um, in helping this country kind of progress and move forward uh, on the renewable energy side. That's awesome. So um, just personal note, I just put solar panels on my roof in November. So (laughs) everything you're talking about, I understand. It was about $40,000 and yeah, we we financed it and uh, yeah, we're enjoying the the cost savings on our energy bill. Yes, that's right. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So what have been your proudest achievements since joining Spruce Power? You joined um, how three 
Yeah, a little over three years ago. So when I joined, we were in the middle of a very aggressive reorganization. We were moving um, operations and corporate um, operations from a Bay Area office to Houston to join an existing call center um, and underwriting team that we had here. And so when I started... um, Everybody was new in accounting. I uh, inherited three senior accountants and an AP clerk um, who had not very much experience in solar themselves. We also decided to move auditors that year from big four down to mid-market. And um, and I knew nothing about solar. I had just come out of steel manufacturing. And so while you know accounting tends to be the same, you know, the technical standards are the same. There are some things very unique to solar um, that I needed to very quickly get my my head wrapped around and bring a team up to speed. Um, There were a lot of challenges around getting processes documented, developed, developing processes, getting processes documented. Um, And and so there there was a steep learning curve for everybody. And there was a a high demand for immediate process improvement. We were not going to survive without immediately looking for low-hanging fruit and identifying how we could do this better, faster, more accurately, uh, document it better. All of those things came kind of all at the same time. And so it was uh, honestly a a pretty rough six or nine months. And again, another time where I just shifted my attitude and said, this is hard, but I can do hard things and this is going to serve me later. And I'm just going to kind of put my head down and and help the team get through it. And we're all going to be better on the other side. And it took till most of 2019 um, to get through those audits. And at the end of it, we all kind of looked at each other and said, we did it. (laughs) High five. (laughs) We made it and immediately with only like two months left in 2019 said, okay, now what can we do better next time? Because the audit starts back up again in two months. And every year we've done that and we just chip away. We've also since built our team up. When when I first started hiring and trying to build the team out, I would tell those first accountants I have no career path for you. Full disclosure, I can't offer you a promotion in X number of months or years. I don't know what the next 12 months looks like, but there's a lot of stuff to fix. And so if you would like to come hang out with us for 12 or 24 months, I would really appreciate you bringing your talents and your skills, and maybe we'll figure it out along the way. And a lot of people were willing to take that chance, and I'm forever grateful for that. Because inevitably, over the 12 to 18 months after that, we were able to identify um, lanes within the accounting department, how we could have a rotation uh, program and start to build out our scope and move past just debits and credits. Yeah, I think those rotation programs are awesome. They're good training ground for future leaders. Absolutely. Um, just out of curiosity, what have the last two years looked like for you? Have you seen demand increase or decrease? How has COVID affected you guys? 
So COVID was very interesting for us in that during that time period, starting kind of summer 2019 through the end of 2020, we actually did nine acquisitions. So in the world of solar, um, there are projects and these projects are typically uh, in partnership under a limited partnership. And it's limited because there are federal tax benefits and attributes associated with investing in solar in America. And they typically have five to seven year time limits. What's happening in solar as it's kind of going through those first rounds of the federal benefits have expired is the investor is no longer interested in holding the assets. And so they've gotten what they want out of it. Their goal was to contribute into the renewable energy efforts of this country. In return, they would get these federal benefits. And when it was over, they were going to flip their investment and sell it. That all kind of happened within 2019 and 2020. We had just done a huge reorg, as I mentioned. We refinanced our senior facilities And we're able to access capital and the capital markets, surprisingly, during that time for us, were very open. And we went through nine acquisitions. And in almost all the cases, it was that the federal attributes had been used up and the investor was ready to flip their investment. Um, And so we were very, very busy. We grew by 72% uh, during that time period. Yeah. So we did not slow down. Yeah, sounds like it's been an exciting couple of years. Um, So you have a history of working in the renewable energy space and and you mentioned nuances, um, but but what kind of nuances have you seen in this industry compared to others? Solar is organizationally incredibly complex because of the partnerships, the limited partnerships and the federal tax attributes ascribed to these investments. The legal entities required to protect those investors and how they kind of all roll up are incredibly complex. So one project that we may own probably has four or five legal entities surrounding it with five or six bank accounts, all need tax returns, probably a couple of audits, and you that expands very quickly. And so we are up to, uh, I think, 14 or 15 projects. We have over 80 bank accounts. And it's, it's administratively incredibly um, complex. And so what we've been trying to do at every opportunity is flatten the organization everywhere we can, consolidate entities, eliminate bank accounts, find more efficient ways for treasury to flow so that we're just not adding on the kind of like a snowball effect that we're trying to be as efficient as possible. Um, let's talk about talent. It's such a, such a hot topic right now. Um, so uh, it's not easy to find, but <laughs> when, uh, when you are interviewing, what skills and traits do you value most in the members that are joining your team? Um, so 
early on, we realized that there was a certain type of accountant that we were looking for. We were either looking for somebody that had previously worked in solar, which there are not very many. We did happen to have one when I was, when I arrived, she was already there and that was a blessing. Um, But we also realized that it would benefit Spruce if we hired either former auditors Mm -hmm. or accountants who had worked in an audited, highly controlled, uh, structured environment. Because the pace and the volume, especially as we were acquiring those um, entities, required somebody that could kind of parachute into the unknown and figure it out pretty quickly and get to work identifying risk and gaps and things like that. And in the world of audit, that is taught very early on. It's like a special skill. But what we found is we have some very successful accountants who do not have prior audit experience, but they came from a shop that was audited and highly controlled and mature. So they were able to benefit from those same skill sets. That is how we formed what we believed would be a successful team, especially in times of volatility in acquisitions. Um, the number one thing that I always say when I'm interviewing is just be curious. The second that you decide you are no longer curious and you stop asking those why questions, then you're becoming complacent. And we should all just acknowledge that. And then we can move on successfully. Um, it, complacency is you know, not a great spot to be in for an accountant. Yeah. I always say, like, once you become complacent, stop asking questions, stop wanting to learn. Like, I mean, that's like death. Yeah, it is. I would even go so far as to say from an accountant standpoint, when somebody tells you no on any item, processes or requests, always challenge it. Like, how no is your no? Is it really a no? Is it a maybe? Can we kind of meet in the middle? And what you'll find is, is that most people actually are willing to work with you. Maybe they just don't know how to access the data. They don't even know where to begin. You can help them get through it and and build a um, bridge the language gap, right? Most people do not speak gap accounting, but you can speak to them and ask them questions to understand processes and operations in a way that uses no gap accounting language. You just have to kind of figure out what their language is and bridge that gap for them. So how are you retaining these employees in in this current hot market? It is very complex. And I don't know that, you know, we have all of the right answers figured out. I would say that um, culture is very important for Spruce. I think it is for most companies. So I don't know that we're necessarily doing anything unique, but there are a couple of things that we are really focused on. One, making sure that we are hiring people who are purpose-driven, meaning there's something greater than showing up to work every day that drives them and that fills their soul. And in doing that, you find that they'll start to bring those passions to work and when you find other people who are like-minded in whatever is important to you, you know, growing gardens or rescuing pets, when you find that your peers who are kind of in the trenches with you on the hard stuff happen to also like skateboarding, <laughs> as an example, um, 
then those people are, are, you know, you can get past a lot of tough days at work when you have a common, uh, a common item like that. The other thing that, um, that we really push on is just a shared respect that we are all human beings and Sesame street epics still apply. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> yeah. You, you Do know others. that a lot of times these days, but, uh, <laughs> right. Right. it's actually quite simple. Um, and so, you know, I, I, hope that the team that we've built, not only within the accounting department, but within Spruce, enjoy being here and enjoy doing the work that we're doing and understand the greater purpose and the mission. But if they don't, then I hope that they find a way to move on in a way that that serves them. You know, sometimes people leave and it breaks your heart and um, you really wish that you could have worked out. But I never encourage holding anybody back because you never know when they're, when their paths are going to cross with yours again. And so you have to just be willing to, um, take that leap. Yeah. That's great advice. So at Spruce Power, you focus on clean energy solutions. In what ways does this focus influence your overall operational strategy? So Operationally, we actually function very much like a bank um, because we are providing financing. Um, the servicing that we are providing to them is looks and feels like a loan, similar to what you got for your house. Um, the added benefit is that you know we will send a truck out to um, take a look at their panel or look at their meter if something is not operating the way that we would expect. Um, and so operationally, our challenges are actually more specific and aligned with a bank where we're dealing with credit applications and uh, reporting to the credit bureau and um, making sure that the customers are paying on time. Um, and so the, um, that's and that's not unique to Spruce Power. That is actually how all of the solar companies uh, work, is that although we are uh, in service to renewable energy efforts, we are the financing leg of that. Similar to how you know, oil and gas started off with, there's oil under the ground. How do I extract it? And, and what would I use it for? And from that, we developed hundreds of, of what I would call sub-industries. There's upstream, midstream, downstream, and, and the safety aspect. And um, that's kind of similar in solar, right? So there are the manufacturers of the panels. There are the manufacturers of the meters. There are the financing. And so we are a small part of a really big pie. So I'm just curious, do you guys monitor the solar panels as well once they're in place? We do. We okay. do. Yeah. <laughs> For your own benefit, we do. <laughs> Um, so last year, you guys expanded your business model to offer energy storage and EV chargers to your customers. Yes. Um, yes. What went into the decision to offer these products? So, um, you know, our operations at the time were heavily on service. And so it was just looking for a way for us to expand our offerings and, and batteries felt like, uh, and EV chargers felt like the next, um, made the most sense for us. The ch there are a lot of challenges and it did not um, take off at the pace that we were expecting, although we are still uh, doing it for sure. The challenges are that the band, uh, the battery manufacturers 
are either running into supply chain issues. So we kind of launched this, right, as supply chain was starting to become problematic uh, related to COVID. And then all of the chips uh, uh, shortages that we heard about. But particularly, um, some of the battery manufacturers also manufactured panels. And so they were feeding their own supply before external customers. And so that put us at the back of the production list. And it just, we couldn't scale it the way that we wanted to. Although again, we're still, you know, working on it. That is a challenge. And it's a challenge for everybody. There's just not enough installers. There's not enough supplies. I think that it's still a very immature aspect of solar. And I would expect it to continue to grow in 10 or 15 years. And at some point, probably in about seven to eight years, is going to figure itself out, kind of get past the toddling around and actually running and then walking. And that's going to happen very, very quickly. So you did this expansion through strategic partnerships? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um. So what advice would you have for F&A leaders looking to drive strategic value to, to grow revenue and increase margin? So I think accountants typically lean towards when they're trying to drive value. I, I think that we naturally lean towards cost cutting. Um, and so I would offer up that that's actually, while you should always be making sure that you're re-evalu- uh, reevaluating your uh, cost structure, that's actually not always the first place and the most impactful way that you can drive value. Uh, my view is that continued automation and development in the infrastructure of the company is going to be the the uh, long play on driving shareholder value because you'll be able to scale faster. You'll be able to take out that uh, the manual aspects of operations that slow down the assembly line. So if somebody is sick and they can't, you know, in the, in the assembly line uh, analogy, can't put their raw materials on the belt, all those opportunities where we can take those human touches and, and use them for something better in accounting that would look like um, uh, deeper analytical skills. I don't need my accountants spending all month reconciling 80 bank accounts. I actually would prefer them to be helping me understand what happened in the month relative to budget in prior year and how can we advise operations, specifically in the way of collections and and the aging and making sure that we are uh, keeping our exposure um, to bad debt as minimum as possible. And so really shifting... um, the, the organization's focus from tasking, although you certainly have things that you need to task, into providing timely advice actually does add shareholder value. Couple that with automation and integration. Now I'm pre- presenting to the shareholders a completely consolidated platform. And a lot of places, that's a heavy investment that requires quite a bit of capital. And unless the shareholders are willing to make that investment, then they're missing out on that on that, uh, that ROI uh, on the back end of that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are afraid of automation. You know, yeah. automation is going to steal my job. But right. I would argue that it's, it's doing the tasks that nobody really wants to do to begin with. That's right. That's right. 
So within finance and accounting, how do you prioritize what what you're going to automate? So things that are not driving value. So again, like um, bank reconciliations. When I started, the team was literally spending all month reconciling bank accounts because of the volume. There were so many bank accounts. Um, None of them were integrated with our ERP. They were uploading or manually entering and then figuring out what the transaction was and how to... um, and how to code it into the ERP, that was not the best use of their time and talent. And so that that was like an easy opportunity. Okay, can we integrate the bank activity into our ERP? Can we create a mapping so that our ERP will recognize 85% of these transactions and know where to code them, limiting the amount of time that we are slogging through all of these transactions and trying to figure that out? Um, that was uh, an early win. Where we've moved since then is around the consolidation. Uh, I mentioned that our organizational structure is incredibly complex. We have over 60 legal entities in our consolidation. And so um, we very quickly recognized that Excel was not the best option for us when consolidating our financials. So we made an early decision to adopt uh, one stream to make sure that we were um, not spending those man hours doing that. We could quickly consolidate it, get the answer, and move very quickly into the analytical review. So lastly, as a uh, SVP of finance and accounting, what is currently keeping you up at night? Um, we um, we have, a, specifically, we have a, a big deal that we are trying to close that I can't disclose more about that in particular, very specific is keeping me up at night. Beyond that, um, making, you know, how are we going to grow? How are we going to continue to, to grow Spruce? How are we going to do that with products? How are we going to do that with services? My brain moves a mile a minute. I've imagined every possible scenario in which this might fail and making sure that I can identify the red flags along along the way so that I can try to prevent the failure. Um, So it's kind of this juxtaposition, right? I I keep up at night around how can we grow and how would I know if we were failing and how fast can I recognize it and thus prevent it? Yeah, I think it's important that you know how things might fail. I mean, you need yeah. to prepare for the hope for the best and prepare for the worst, as That's they always right. say. That's right. Sarah, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and all of the resulting insights. And thank you again for taking the time to be here with us today. I wish you and Spruce Power all the best. It sounds like you're both doing amazing things. Thank you. You as well. And to all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.